Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Nolan, it is a slow news week. I was looking around trying to find out stuff to talk about today, and I just can't find anything. There's just not a lot going on. But that's okay, because we're going to, well, I won't say fabricate news, but we're going to come up with some stuff to talk about anyway. Uh, we do have a topic of the night, though, everybody, and that is we are going to be looking at our favorite druid spells. We did cleric last week. We're doing druid this week, and we're going to be looking at wizards and sorcerers as we continue through this month of magic, if you will. So before we get into all of that, Nolan, what's up, buddy? What's been going on? Just hanging out this weekend. Uh, it was a, what did they call it? The little pre-release, uh, pre-trial period for Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, so finally got to spend some time with that and see what was going on there. Um, and so far, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's hard for me to get excited about it just because I don't want to spoil myself because I know they're only doing Act 1. Uh, so I'm not getting too far into it. I'm not taking any of my choices seriously like a major playthrough. Uh, and mostly just kind of playing around with classes and seeing what I can and can't do or what I can get away with. Uh, they did some really nice uh, abilities for like the roles. Uh, I played three characters now so far. And I don't think even the opening first act has been consistent i've picked up little new things or not gotten as far with certain people uh depending on what i play or how the dice rolls come up so that randomness and replayability i think will be there for at least a little bit i mean you know two or three playthroughs at least so it's really good uh i'm excited for it i'm looking forward to add all the classes but they did a really good job with it i i think anyway so well, I know I've seen quite a few people commenting that they are checking it out, that they're playing it. And and I will say those people's social medias have been down this week because I think they're just diving hardcore into it. Baldur's Gate was something that, if I remember correctly, came out around the same time as Diablo 2 was really popular. And it was just a game that I never got into. I was fascinated by it, but it was one of those I had to pick one or the other and I knew Diablo, so I went with it. And now with Diablo or uh, with this new Baldur's Gate out, I don't know that my computer can run it. So I'm going to have to play vicariously through you, sir. It's it's good. Uh, you know, and the thing is, and I think I'll reason some of the stuff that is kind of slow right now, too. There's just a lot of interesting things out right now. Uh, you had mentioned to me like two weeks ago, asked if I had checked out Hades and I had not yet. I picked it up this weekend uh, to, to give a shot. And it's really fun. Um, it's a it's just kind of an infinite little dungeon. You're going to die. Uh, you're the prince of Hades trying to escape and the gods are trying to help you. But every time you die, you basically end back up in front of your dad and be like, would you stop breaking my house? You're costing me money. <laughs> Knock it off. Go to your room type situation. And then you start over, but you maintain, you know, you keep the coins, you keep the keys, you keep the unlock. So every single time you go through, you should be a little bit stronger. And it's just fun. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a mindless, just fun hack and slash style game so far for me and i've just gotten started with it so let's let's jump into what tiny news there is which is not just truly saying there's not a whole lot um but i do want to bring up uh, one of our listeners uh sent me a message and asked me if we saw this uh apparently power rangers who is uh 
Hasbro has a lot uh, the rights for, and of course Hasbro is a parent company for Wizards of the Coast, um, has been looking at giving Power Rangers a role playing game, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now, were you are you much of a Power Rangers fan, Nolan? It was the awkward time where, like, I think I was in like middle school early high school so it was kind of the, the weird thing that all the kids were into and i never did jump into all my little cousins had all the toys and stuff and i was fresh out of my you know uh, too cool i don't do that kind of phase so i think i snuck a few episodes of the early stuff in saw a couple movies with them but was never anything i jumped into i, I would say i was the exact same way it was just not, not something i ever really dove into of course i knew about it uh, and even as my kids were growing up power rangers wasn't really big on their list which is that's fine because i know a lot of people absolutely love the power rangers and there's tons and tons of different lines of it so if you are a fan of power rangers and it's something you enjoy you can you now have the opportunity to or I should say you will have soon have the opportunity to play in that world as Power Rangers is getting a 5e role-playing game. Which is, is really kind of interesting. Uh, and, and I thought, boy, if Hasbro can do that with uh, uh, Power Rangers, what other things Because in their stable of titles could they do that with? And have you looked through their stable, Nolan, to see what all they have? I haven't looked at all of it, but when we were looking at the uh, one of their little con was that they had a couple weeks ago i was shocked to see how much stuff they had the license in for games of and i think that really kind of it's like okay i can i can support some of this stuff all right so i'm just going to start here and work my way through this of course there's marvel which uh i think a marvel role-playing game it's been done in the past the superhero role-playing game has been done in the past and it was fairly well received why not have a Marvel role-playing game? That'd be a lot of fun. Figure out how to create your own superhero in the Marvel universe. That would be pretty cool. Uh, there's My Little Pony, which, of course, My Little Pony got some of the uh, uh, dressing of magic. So, sure, I guess if you want to play in the My Little Pony universe, have a My Little Pony 5e game. Then there's Transformers. Transformers would be a great 5e game. I think it'd be fun to create a Transformer and you know, roll around and check it out. And then, of course, I think this is probably the one that you'd be the most excited about. Nolan is Star Wars. I I would enjoy it. I And I think it's all of those games so far. I mean, I can see like, oh, I could see making a character. Uh, I don't necessarily know. Um, I can see the progression of Star Wars, like leveling up and getting more power. I can see Transformers, maybe getting robotic upgrades. I... I I can't imagine DMing a like Transformers game or My Little Ponies. Um, I can see myself DMing a Star Wars one just because I'm familiar with the universe. I don't, and I think maybe that's just what it is for me is familiarity. And, and here's the thing, and, and Nolan and I are both very much aware that there is already a Star Wars role playing game that Fantasy Flight puts out. We are, you know, very much aware of this. And and our thought process is on this whole thing is is since Hasbro does have the Star Wars line already with toys. It would make it so much easier. In fact, I think Nolan said to me the other day, 5e just makes it easier for us to step into those universes because we already know the rules. And so instead of having to learn a whole new system, which let's face it, some of us are pretty short on time. We thought it'd be pretty neat to see like these games like Star Wars get the 5e makeover instead of having to learn a new game and allow us to play in that world. 
Now, if you're a fan of Star Wars and, and you wanted to check out the role playing, you just need to head over to Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, like I said, they have multiple multiple um, books for it. There's let's see, it says there's three different settings: the Age of Rebellion, the Age of or the Edge of the Empire, and Force of Destiny. All three systems utilize the same dice and core mechanics. And additionally, if you're looking for a place to start, you can sample the Star Wars action with the Force Awakens beginner game. Um, so those are definitely Star Wars games that you can check out. Our thought was it would be really neat if it was 5e because it would just make it that much easier for us to get in because we know the rules already. What are your thoughts on that? I think any world that you can go to add to, uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. And we've seen some stuff too where it is easy to bring some of that stuff over. Uh, Scarlands Creature Collection, uh, having those things set up and ready to go into a system that we already know allows us to, it allowed us to go play that game. Because I don't think anybody, uh, I would say probably half the people at our table probably have zero desire to go learn Pathfinder just for the sake of running a one shot or you know picking up a game for a night just because it is... Uh, not a completely different, but a very more complex system and a lot of different rules going on with some different goals. So not saying that 5e is the best because I don't necessarily agree with that because I want to see some high level stuff. But for ease of play and introducing people, it would work best for our table. And so I, I would that would be kind of my only reason for saying this is why it should be 5e or if they all just came together and said, you know, this is hopefully not for a couple of years. This is sixth edition and these are all the areas that we are throwing at it with this rule set. It's based upon 5e. We're just making it a little more complex on the high end or call it a 5.5, whatever. But You know, and I don't disagree. One of the things that frustrates me is because there are so many different role playing games and everybody wants to be unique and different. It does make it very difficult to get into other games. When you're not the DM, your big thing is is figuring out what you can do. It's like, okay, so when I attack in D&D, I roll a D20. Well, in this game, I have to roll 2D20 or I roll 46 or, or something like that. Everybody wants to have their own standalone rules, and I get that. But sometimes having that uniform and uniformity between within the rule systems, within the role-playing games, really makes it easier for people to grab that game off the off the shelf and try it because they at least already have a basic understanding of the rules and these rules are complex and sometimes you know learning more than one system is more daunting than people want to invest in i i find when i'm running like one shots and i don't do it all the time and i don't have the creative level of you know people that make their own own universes and come up with names and languages and races uh, I pull from MMOs whenever I usually do a one shot, uh, just from a standpoint that it's it's out there, it's easier, and it allows me to focus on writing the story. Uh, it can be it could be an exact identical copy of you are in Ogremar. In my mind, I can see all the shops, I've got the names for the places, and I can call it whatever I want with a quick rename. But it's there. The foundation is good. It's a great little city. There's lots of stuff that you can do outside. There's threats outside the walls. This is where we're going to play this one shot. You guys are level 12 and you guys are making way out of the barrens into, you know, blasted lands or something like that by portal. You know, I mean, the, the foundation is set, so it's easy for me. And I can see this being that there, uh, you know, whether it was Transformers or I think they got G.I. Joe's or Ghostbusters. You know, hey, do you got your 5e dice? I got a game I want to play. You're going to understand the rules when I ask for a roll or whatever. It's a d20 plus this bonus. Let's go. Right. And yeah, you mentioned Ghostbusters and G.I. Joe. Those are another couple that would just be a lot of fun to play, too. 
Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right. I, I wish there was a uniform role-playing system. But but again, I know every company wants their game to stand out above the rest. But sometimes those companies, and, and this is true in any game, the, the, the rule systems are complex, and sometimes they get too crunchy to even try to dive into because you start reading it, you're fascinated in the game, and you read the rule. And you read the rules and you go, what the hell? How Now, how do you pull the trigger on a gun again? Yeah, uh, the the combat, I felt like I found ourselves not doing as much combat with some of like the new vampire stuff because we got used to the older rules. So it was hard for the the, the yeah. dog to, to learn tricks. And, and I see it with a, a lot of the games I play as well. Uh, I've just from some of these copies over, uh, I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3. The, the system was easy for me to learn because I kind of know a little bit of it. Uh, I've attempted to play Divinity Original Sin, which is the same company, but the rules are so steep and the and the tutorial, like I'll forget little things, you know, and then it's not that it's bad. It's fantastic. The combos are great, but it's so complex that, you know, my warrior will cut some guy's head off with a crit and I'm pretty ecstatic about it. And there's blood everywhere. And the enemy sorcerer will drop a lightning bolt in the pool of blood I'm standing in and electrocute my guy and I die. And I'm still trying to process of... I just killed that guy. How am I dead already? Like, I didn't realize you could electrify blood. This is awesome. But where was that yeah. tutorial? Um, I play Pillars of Eternity. Uh, similar style game, different classes. Took me a long time to get used to it. Uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker, same thing. You think you know what it is, but then it's more layers, more layers, more layers. So just it gets a little overwhelming of like, well, I really like the style. Now I'm playing this game and and so I can see that for pen and paper. I can see that for other games where people are making their homage to these games. Um, you know, this is this is Baldur's Gate 3 as it should have been, you know, five years ago. And you're like, well, I, I get it. The graphics are the same, but the rules are so strange that I don't get it. I don't understand the classes. I don't understand the mechanic. And sometimes you just don't have the time to learn a new system. There's so many games sitting on my bookshelf right now that I really want to play, but I am daunted by the fact that I have to learn new rules. And I, I just don't know that I have the time to dive into a new, a new rule set and let alone learn it for myself and then teach it to the group long enough, to, you know, or, or quickly enough that they can, they're interested and want to play at least at least one game um, and ideally more than one. Uh, and I think that's why we as our our group in particular, it is it's almost like a safety net that we fall back to 5e. We want to play games. We want to play role playing games. We want to experience these grand, fantastical adventures. We're just way more comfortable with 5e because that's what we know and that's what we're we run with. We're the we're the old guys that don't want to learn new things this day and age. I just realized that. So no, well, hold on, <laughs> you stop that. It's not that we don't want to. We don't have the time. Yeah, we're it, these are old person excuses. I hear this in my head. <laughs> I know what it is. I'm the angry guy yelling at kids to get off my lawn. I understand that right now. I, I just heard myself, and I'm going to. Uh, I don't know. Get to go learn a, a new bit. system. Yeah. I will so, say, um, I was going to say one thing too, you know, along those lines of games that are light games that are kind of light games. Uh, a friend of mine gave me Ghost of Tsushima, which is very much like a uh, feudal Japan, Mongolian invasion, Assassin's Creed. And, you know, we were talking about those games that like it has the familiarity. It has that kind of stuff there. Uh, the combat feels the same, the sneaking, the assassination, the level up, all that stuff has that familiarity to it where I'm like, okay, this is comfortable that I've been so engrossed in 
the the music and the story and like to a point where I'm like, man, I want to lower the difficulty just because I want to see just the story mode. It is it has been fantastic, but I haven't been bogged down by learning a system. I haven't been bogged down because it felt like home. They didn't try and reinvent the wheel. Um, and they took some of that stuff and they made it into a mind blowing. I mean, the opening tutorial I'm I'm still reeling from from probably one of the best opening learning stories I've ever been a part of. Um, I didn't feel like I was doing a tutorial. I felt like I was ingrained in the story. But it, it, it was just along those lines of they took their energy be like, this system's really good. Let's use this system. Now let's write the best story, have the best music, have the best here. And they weren't sitting there trying to bust out D100s. You need a D1000, and that's how we're going to play the game. And you're like, I don't even own one of those things. Like, how is this going to happen? So, how the hell do I roll that? <laughs> with a bowling ball? Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, right? so, so I was very late to the fence on this ghost of Tsushima, and holy smokes. Holy smokes. I'm, I'm good. Still, uh, yeah, I... Yeah, you need. I will. I will bring it to you so you can check out just the first thirty minutes of it. And you really, you honestly think I have time? You will find thirty minutes. It's tired of your old man excuses. <laughs> yeah, I have old man excuses. <laughs> Too busy these days with damn kids and all their games. Yeah, sure. Stay a while and listen. Oh yeah. Oh, I did play a little Diablo yesterday for like 10 minutes and I had to shut it off. Because, yeah, oh, look, no, I had no other time. things I had to go do. Yeah, no time. All right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Enough rambling of us being old guys. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, these are just obviously Nolan and I being silly, talking about different stuff. And and Ty, thank you so much for sending that to us on the Power Rangers. Uh, we, we appreciate that. I I am going to include a link to the article in the show notes so people can check that out. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a Power Rangers fan, give it a check out or give it a look and see what's going on. All right, so let's check over to Onyx Path again. Not a whole lot going on over there. They did launch the Kickstarter for Ghost Hunters for World of Darkness. Uh, let's see, that was launched on Tuesday, if I remember if I remember correctly, and they've already exceeded their goal, which is let's face it, not uncommon for Onyx Path to do. Usually when they throw out a Kickstarter, it goes fairly well, fairly quickly. So it looks like they were trying to get $20,000 to bring this book to life. They have doubled that already. 20 days to go on this, so they're already starting to go through some kick or through some stretch goals. Now, this is going to be a deluxe 20th anniversary edition book that is not tied to any specific 20th anniversary edition game line. So this is really... It, it, they used to do this with white wolf. They would have these books where they were standalone, like, um, okay, you want to play this kind of character, but none of our other books really identify it. So here's how you can play a hunter or here's how you can play. Like I remember, uh, it used to be world of darkness mummy. And so here's how you could create mummy characters. So mummy is now of course a standard standalone game for chronicles of darkness, but it used to have a book in, in world of darkness. So they would put out these little supplements for world of darkness that allow you to play these different characters. And that's exactly what this is, except now you're playing ghost hunters. I don't know anything about like the power level or if it's like, look, you're actually all playing ghostbusters, which really is not that uncool. Um, I think that'd be pretty neat. And, and, and I'd imagine it's going to pull from some of the other rules from the other games, especially Wraith. Gosh, it's, it's got to pull heavily from Wraith. So 
I, I would encourage you to check this one out. If you're a fan of the world of darkness, go look at this game. Um, I know they've done several podcasts uh, talking about the game. I have not had the chance to listen to them, but the artwork that I'm seeing on the Kickstarter is really pretty damn cool. And again, this is going to be a deluxe hardcover edition. And guys, when Onyx Path puts out a deluxe hardcover edition, they cut absolutely no corners. That book looks fantastic. Other than that, I didn't see, I'm just going to scan through this real quick. I didn't see a whole lot uh, coming out from Onyx Path. Um, yeah, it looks like a, that's about it. Of course, I did see if you were a backer of the Contagion Chronicle, you probably got an email letting you know that your last chance to lock in your address has come. That means they're getting ready to get that book shipped over to the Kickstarter fulfillment. So that probably means that book has been printed. So if you back that, you should hopefully, possibly, maybe be seeing that soon. And I say that because, well, still, no, they came from beneath the sea. And it has been at the Kickstarter fulfiller for at least a month now. So I have no idea what's going on with that book. It's it's pretty frustrating. I, I was telling Nolan earlier this week that, you know, I backed the Scarlands Creature Collection. I think a couple months after they came from beneath the sea and I've already received the Scarlands creature collection. So, you know, Nolan is someone who's back Tolis and you're getting closer. Cause isn't that supposed to hit in March this next year? I think so. I think it was quarter one. What are your thoughts on, on seeing these Kickstarters? And I know this is COVID related and, and trust me folks, I'm not blaming Onyx path. I'm really not. I'm frustrated, but I'm not blaming them. I know this has got to be COVID related and Rich Thomas and Matthew Dawkins have both said as such, but how do you feel when you've invested so much money and you just sit and wait? I think it's tough. Uh, definitely when I think it depends on what it is you're waiting for. Uh, for me, I, kickstart and alpha back video games and i know usually when i do that that i'm looking at like five years down the line of checking in on the game so the book side of things hasn't really been too bad um but again it depends on what it is uh you know if it is a series of books or if it is a box set or you know like we were looking at like what was it hero forge hero quest yeah, you know, one of those you've gotten some of those massive boxes where a lot of stuff is coming uh, where it's like, you know, I can understand time and energy goes into it. If I'm getting a book, sometimes I am a little less understanding. So, you know, that's one of those things of it depends, I guess, on what I'm getting. And also, you know, I, I'm excited to play. I've backed Crowfall. I'm excited to play it uh, when it comes out and see what it is and hope it is. I like the alpha, but again, knowing what I got, it wasn't all the way there uh, as far as ready to play yet. Tolis, I suppose in July or August, if I haven't seen it, I'll be in the same place as you. Cause at that point it's like, it's, you've had enough time to get me this book and all the stuff that comes with it. So, and, and I know a lot of times with Onyx Pass Kickstarters, you know, the book is fairly well written at that point. Um, they don't just say, well, we're going to produce this book and, and hope it uh, comes together. They usually already have most of it done. They've already worked through the book. And now they're getting their artwork together. They're doing the layout. They're doing the editing. They're doing the red lines. They're doing all that stuff that happens after you have the bulk of the book written. And that's why when you back an Onyx Path Kickstarter, you get manuscript copies of the book. So you can actually, as soon as the Kickstarter is over, play the game. 
because you will have the manuscript copy that of course means there will be erratas and changes as the book is fully developed but it at least gives you a chance to play the game so and 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 i say that <laughs> and 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 i guess i should check myself a little bit because you also get a, co a pdf copy of the game before it ever goes to press so technically i have the pdf copy of they came from beneath the sea as excited as i am about that game i want the physical book I want the book because I genuinely want to flip through that book and check it out because everything that I've read about it, you know, the conversations I've had with Matthew Dawkins, uh, the book, the game just looks phenomenal. So I want the book and I want to sit down with a cup of coffee and read my book. Yep. No, holding, this is holding the old man is the way to go. Here's the old man coming out. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. <laughs> So I didn't, like I said, I didn't see a whole lot else for Onyx Path. Um, no idea what their next Kickstarter is going to be. We usually don't find that out till about a week or two before the other one ends. And this one still has 20 days. So there's plenty of time to get in on uh, World of Darkness Ghost Hunter. I will have a link in the show notes for you guys to check it out. All right. Nolan, I am struggling here because I just didn't see any other news to talk about. Did you? I, I didn't. Most of my stuff's been video game related. I know we're getting close to Cyberpunk. Getting yeah, there. we are. Uh, yeah, I've. I, I think most of my stuff is digital right now, and that's been kind of the focus. So, so you know, we talked last week about the delay of Shadowlands for World of Warcraft. Has there been any updates on that? Haven't seen much. Next week is supposed to be pre-patch. They're still going through, making balances slowly, steadily. Uh, next week will be a big week just because a lot of the class changes, all the class changes, I guess, should be in the game. And it's that awkward time of borrowed power and stuff that's going to be out in the next expansion. So you'll see some pretty crazy shenanigans there. But um, because of story-wise and stuff like that, with uh, in the story, Sylvanas is destroying the crown of the Lich King in order to open a portal into the afterlife. And in doing so... The whole purpose of the Lich King and Bovar and all that story was is some way to control the undead. Well, we're getting kind of that undead going ape uh, pre-expansion stuff that we had seen right before Wrath of the Lich King again. So some of the old uh, old Wrath of the Lich King bosses are going to be out and about in the world. So you'll randomly see, you know, I and I don't I don't know exactly what they are because I've tried to stay spoiler free, but like patchwork is going to be out roaming the uh, frozen waste outside of Naxxramas in uh, Wrath of the Lich King areas uh, up in Northrend, and, and it'll be dropping some loot uh, loot and some like one time only bags. Uh, I think you actually finally get to take down uh, Sylvanas's uh, right hand man. Uh, he's at his farm i think in uh gosh where is the uh, not the undercity at but the plague lands so i know there's a bunch of those events coming out so that'll be fun to play with um and when they're going through with the pre-patch stuff now wouldn't you say that pre-patch launches uh next week actually oh so <laughs> to the blizzard updater ready folks yeah you know i saw there was a update coming to the blizzard updater so yeah so any be, other video games that you want to talk about I don't know. <laughs> I like I said. I, I think most of the stuff has been focusing on you know uh, just down the line. November is just around the corner. Cyberpunk, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming soon-ish. Uh, those are kind of the two big ones for November that we got my eye on to see how they turn out. Yep, 
it's just been, I think things are just kind of getting to that time of season where we'll start to see some of the stuff. And mostly I'm looking forward to a lot of the good stuff that I miss going on sale with uh, gotcha. you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Christmas time. Usually it's a good time to grab that, you know, game of the year edition for $9.95 of God of War or something like that. Well, why don't we take a minute, refill our cups, and come back and talk about our favorite Druid spells? Hey, everybody. Patrick here. Why Nolan and I are off getting coffee, I just wanted to take a minute and say, if you have a topic that you'd love to hear us talk about, please drop us a line. You can find us on most of the social media platforms at 307RPG. Also, if you're a fan of our show and want to leave us a review, those kind of things really help boost our numbers uh, within like things like iTunes and Spotify. Uh, those little things like that really help us a lot. Well, it looks like we're coming back. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so our topic of the the week, the night, the whatever, uh, is going to be on druid spells. Last week, we talked about our favorite cleric spells. Uh, this week, we're talking about our favorite druid spells. And, you know, originally we thought, oh, we'll do nature spells. But it's really, I think you pointed out, Nolan, that they've changed how they do that. And now it's, you know, based on classes instead. So let's talk druids. But Nolan, what is it, first off, before we get into spells, what is it that you like or dislike about druids? I th Man, that's a tough one. Um, mostly I haven't gotten to play one. And at this point, when I say I haven't gotten to play one, it's mostly by choice. I, they're, I've been slowly warming up to the idea of being kind of a, the shape changer, the nature one, the balance, I, th I think would be fun. I just... On paper, they don't excite me very much. And and for the most part, it's because I just don't enjoy, you know, even like when I play a wizard and I get into like the polymorph spells and shape changing, that side of stuff doesn't excite me very much. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think I probably just need to play one it is where it's at. I mean, it is a full ninth level caster. Uh, it has a pretty okay spell selection. It's kind of that balance between... Um, some heals, some damage. Uh, I think playing probably a summoner is the way to go with them. They are adding more spells that helps it a lot. And when I was looking at my favorite druid spells, most of them are newer ones. So I, I see them trying to make that effort. Uh, I don't know. The wild shape bothers me in certain ways, and I wish they would expand on it. And I think that that's the thing. I think I'm used to maybe like World of Warcraft, where I have like a, a travel form and, and, and I have a stealth form and I have a bear form. And you can do some of that stuff, but you're also doing it with limited resources. So turning into a raven to go scout to, you know, it, it would be along the same lines of saying, hey, I need you to go look at that ridge fighter. Go ahead and burn your action surge to do it. And you're like, but I haven't done anything cool with it. Uh, you know, barbarian, I need you to, you know, sneak through that door or go through that door, uh, see what's on the other side and come back to us. So before you turn into a rat, I need you to burn a rage for the day. Uh, you know, so it, it'd just be on those things of asking somebody to use a, a wow is probably the limited resource. Yeah. Use your, one of your major cooldowns for something that isn't, you know, smash and face is, is kind of one of those things. And so I think, for me, I've always looked at just playing the the Moon Druid, where you turn into the cool forms and the elementals, and it feels like you know this is this is my barbarian rage, this is my action search, uh, you know, spinning my key points, smiting somebody, and it's good for combat, and you know, some of it is really good for combat. But the cool thing for it would be, you know, just that ability to shift and, you know, 
hey, everybody, we're getting ready to run out of town, you know, whatever, get your horses. And I turn into an elk like they do, you know, in World of Warcraft. And it doesn't right. cost me anything. You know, it's one of those things of this is a non-combat form. You have eight hit points before you're knocked out, but your movement speed is fast. The only purpose of it is to travel. Uh, the only purpose of this is to scout. I'm going to pop into an owl and keep watch tonight. You know, th those type of things. I, I, I think there should be almost a, a cantrip style wild shape. And I think if I could get that, you know, a wizard can make a fine familiar as a ritual and it lasts for an hour and it turns into what you should be able to turn into to do some of those things. You know, they can have a cat familiar, they can have a rat familiar, they can have an owl, they can have a raven and it can fulfill those parties. They can even see through their eyes and do that sort of stuff. And, and at that point, if you got a wizard next to a druid to do that kind of stuff, it's like, well, what am I, what, what are they here for? Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's interesting when it comes to Druids because typically when I look, and I, I think back to, hmm, when I first started playing AD&D 2nd Edition, my concept, mental concept of a Druid was Al-Anon from the, the Shannara series, you know, and I, and I was thinking that that's how the character or the, the class would be. And I remember reading the class and going, ooh, yeah, that's not at all what I thought it was going to be. I, I thought they did a really interesting job by calling all of them druids. Uh, and then when you met the different ones, because what there was a there was a dwarf that used his magic to basically be like a war cleric, right? Like right in the very first major war book or something like that, because he stuck out to me as just being like, holy smokes, he's using all of his druid magic to be a combat machine. And yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely differences, but but Alanon was like the image. I mean, and let's face it, Alanon's Gandalf, but whatever. Uh, so that was my original thought was that's how all the druids everywhere are going to be no matter what. <laughs> gotcha. And of course, it didn't come out that way, obviously. Um, I I don't typically get a chance to play. Usually I, I DM it, but I, I think druids are fascinating. I think back to uh, when we had Aaron Schossenbach in our group and he was playing a druid. He was always trying to do interesting things like with magic stones and and, and, and the such to you know, help buff people here, here throughout the game. Um, I do like wild shaping. I do like you know thinking about World of Warcraft. I do like some of those aspects. Uh, and I think a, playing a druid would be really neat. I just never really had the chance. I would like to see, I don't know. I, again, I think they're moving in the right way with some of the spells. Um, I, I, I think there is kind of that awkward, like, yeah, what, is, what is a Druid in that? And that might be different to everybody, whether you're influenced by Alanon, whether you're influenced by world of Warcraft, you know, and then when you actually read the thing, you know, the, the when you read their kind of description, you know, one of the bolds is power of nature. They get their power from, you know, uh, force of nature itself or from a nature deity and then the very next thing is preserve the balance the four elements that make up the world air earth fire and water and now it's like well now it's starting to scream a little bit of shaman you know and so it's like there's when when i say shaman you know we all start to think of well maybe not all but we start to think of like thrall and and that kind of stuff and you're like okay now i want to see a one that you know a druid that it plays more on that and less on the animals and so i i think that's probably where i get lost with it i think it means different things to different people yeah and, and maybe that's exactly it. You know, maybe the class is just one of those that we just kind of get lost on. I think I think to play one, it takes a little bit of extra work just from a standpoint of uh, I'm wild shaping. I need to know my animal stats. I could see that scaring people off early um, just because it is a little bit of extra work or I'm going to summon eight wolves. 
And now all of a sudden I've got nine characters rolling an issue. You know, I mean, some of that stuff is like, who boy, okay, we're going to slog down the table a little bit. Some of that fear or just having those things of like, this is my character sheet. This is my wild shape sheets. These are my summon sheets. Let's go. AC is 12, (laughs) 15s, 40 hit points. Okay. That's what's dead. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you're running your own, you know, mini map over there. So it it could be daunting. Okay. So. We let's dive into our favorite spells. Um, in fact, I think you went first last week, so I'll go first this week. And I'm going to go right to the top here and, and hit an eighth level spell. Because when I read this spell, I thought, oh, damn, that's evil. And that is Feeble Mind. So this spell, it's an eighth level spell, costs one action to cast. This spell hits the target for 46 psychic damage and then forces them to make an intelligence saving throw. Now, this is right right away. This is what I like. So 46 psychic damage is not a lot in an eighth level spell, let's face it. Usually when you're thinking eighth level spells, you're thinking, wow, I'm going to nuke the world. Here comes a massive whatever. So, but with those bigger spells, you also have a chance to half that damage to a saving throw. In this case, the intelligence saving throw does not half the damage. So you're going to get that 46 psychic damage. Yes, I know your low end could be four points of damage, but still, if they fail their intelligence saving throw, this is where all the money is. They, (laughs) their charisma and their intelligence are reduced to one. Now, Obviously, if you're throwing this at another spellcaster, especially a wizard, they are going to have a higher chance to pass this. Uh, Hopefully you have something in place already to help them or to uh, hinder them in their saving throw attempts. Uh, But if you throw this at, like, say, (laughs) I don't know, the barbarian, you know, especially I think like a a barbarian grog style who had a low intelligence, you hit them with, you know, something like this, their charisma, their intelligence become one. Okay, great. You say uh, this means they cannot communicate in an intelligible way. The talking is the same. They don't talk in an intelligible pattern. They can't cast spells. They can't activate their magical items. They'll still be able to recognize their friends and defend them and follow them if needed. But and and I think this is the gravy right here. The target can attempt the saving uh, another saving throw in 30 days. This is a month where they are feeble-minded. <laughs> if they pass, the spell obviously ends. The spell can also be ended through spells like Greater Restoration, Wish, and or Heal. Uh, but if you're out, say, in the wilderness or, or in a dungeon, like, say, Tomb of Annihilation, where you don't have the opportunity to necessarily leave and go back to Port Nianzaru to find someone to cast these higher-level spells, you know, in case that you don't have one in your group, you're just kind of screwed. Yeah, it's uh, this is why they give bosses legendary resistance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is where the boss goes. Yeah, I'm just going to choose to pass that saving throw. Fuck off. Yep, going to have to. Otherwise, uh, I guess you guys win. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I just I read that and I thought, oh, man, that would just be, well, kind of funny. So what's your first one, sir? I'm going with one that I use all the time. Uh, I I actively go after it's on the Druid and Ranger list. Uh, and because it's one of those things of I, I don't, I think y'all, everybody has different tables where there's some tables where everybody like documents every arrow they fire. Uh, you know, they're, they're meticulous about that inventory just, and sometimes it just doesn't matter. Yeah, you got arrows. It's fine. You know, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to worry about the barbarian sharpening his axe or, you know, whatever. So, um, but for me, I like taking some of that stuff out so it can never be a situation. So I went with Goodberry. 
Uh, oh I, yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's first level. Takes an action up to ten berries. Up to ten berries appear in your hand, infused with the magic for the duration of twenty four hours. A creature can use its action to eat one berry. Eating a berry restores one hit point, and the berry provides enough nourishment to sustain a creature for one day. It's llama spread. I mean, how do you not enjoy that? Yeah. I mean, it just conjures up that image of here you go, you're full. You know, so. The fact that it lasts 24 hours, uh, you can cast it before you lay down for bed because hopefully you're going to get the rest in and get that spell slot back. You wake up in the morning, you have a berry, you move on. Takes out the eating side of things without, for me, breaking the realism like we never ate. That's really weird. Um, I've also taken it to the standpoint of this is why elves don't poop. Um, because <laughs> Because they eat it, they get fully sustained, and then 24 hours it just disappears out of their stomach because the contents is gone because magic therefore they never need to go to the bathroom so that's why oh my gosh that's why elves don't poop so anyway yep good berry you know and and i'm gonna back you up on this one because i think i've seen you cast good berry a bazillion times it's my mandatory if i can get it i will get it Um, and, and there just are times where it's like you guys are i mean a lot of these games we play we we're in the heart of omu and food is scarce or food will eat you back. Uh, you know, we're looking at going up into the frozen north and it's like, you're not necessarily going to be able to always get a campfire going, even with magic. Uh, you know, eating rations or keeping track of it can, you know, you can run out when you're in the desert like we were through Scarredlands. And so, again, it's a world of magic. Why wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of things of how it's a first level spell. How is there hunger issues in Faerun? I mean, come on now. Yeah. No, I, I Goodberry is a good one. And I'm not at all surprised that you chose that one. So my second one, and, and you probably probably already knew this one because you and I talked about it already. Uh it's changed just a tiny bit, and that's conjure woodland beings. And this is a, a conversation Nolan and I had just yesterday where we were talking about how druids can conjure these wildland creatures and 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 get them into your party quickly. So conjure woodland beings, I particularly like this mostly just because of flavor. Uh levels four spell in the school of conjuration. Uh with the spell the druid summons fey creatures that appear in an unoccupied space that you can see within range. The spell can summon up to eight fey creatures with a combined CR rating of two. So it could be eight, one quarter, uh, two ones, and so on. The creatures are friendly to you and your companions and will fight by your side. And once they hit zero hit points, they're gone. When cast at sixth level, you get twice as many creatures. At eighth level, you get three times as many creatures. So, I mean, it's kind of cool. Suddenly there's, what, eight fey creatures are flying around or running around the field and there's a list of fey creatures that you can get here's what i like about this is and, and again nolan and i've talked about this at great extent at first i think this is one of those spells where you cast it the creatures appear they get killed and you go well that was freaking pointless i was hoping to have eight or yeah eight creatures attacking that have you know multiple attacks each potentially and, and now suddenly there's nothing and and what what people need to remember is when they cast this, yeah, if they get a chance to attack, that's great. Um, fantastic. You get some extra attacks thrown in. But really, this, in my opinion, this is one of those things where you get these creatures up and for one to two rounds, the bad guys that you're fighting are focused on them and not your party. 
So you've done something fantastic because you just gave your party the upper hand because now there's other creatures for the bad guys to worry about that are nipping at their heels and potentially less swings coming at you and your party. And that's my opinion, the best part of it. I agree. I, I think that's, it's nice to put DMs in an opportunity where do you attack the wolves or do you attack the players? Cause Again, not necessarily super strong, but pack tactics. Every single one of them attacking the same target gets advantage. You're going to, best case scenario, you know, you're going to be getting advantage. Most likely it's an extra 5% chance to crit. You know, that's you're going to have to deal with it at some point. And so either it's saving your party or being annoying or tripping or, you know, but it's also one of those things of it's about as exciting as healing if you're not into doing the work. You know, it's like, well, right. I didn't actually swing my axe. I casted it. There's eight of them there. And I hid in a bush, so I didn't lose my concentration on them. You know, you got to decide where you want to feel like you're being awesome, whether it's, you know, controlling and manipulating or, you know, that's illusion wizardry magic and all that kind of stuff too. You know, do you want to hide in a box and heal from it? You know, is that fun? Or do you just want to smash face? So I, I can see where this one gets overlooked a little bit. Right. And I and I personally think it's it's one that every druid should have in their arsenal because, you know, having X amount of, well, gosh, you hit sixth level, having, say, 16 creatures just show up to, you know, fight, they're not going to be able to kill them all. They're going to last longer than one or two rounds, and they are going to do a little bit of damage. And if they don't, that's still, you know, again, something that's distracting the opponent that you're fighting. Right. So that was my number two. I like it. For me, I went with uh, Moonbeam. A silvery that's a beam one. of pale light shines down in a five-foot radius, 40-foot-high cylinder centered on a point within range. Until the spell ends, dim light fills the cylinder. When a creature enters the spell for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, it is engulfed in ghostly flames that cause searing pain, and it must make a constitution saving throw. It takes 2d10 radiant damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. A shape changer makes a shave its saving throw with disadvantage. If it fails, it also instantly reverts to its original form and can't assume a different form until it leaves the spell's light. On each of your turns after you cast this spell, you can use an action to move the beam up to 60 feet in any direction. So I like this one just from a standpoint of a lot of the druid ones are concentration. Uh, this is a nice little could work as an AOE um, or could be just centered on a target. You don't have to worry about hurting your friends. Um, the only negative I have with this one is it takes an action to move it. But the fact that it's one of those things of, you know, you can cast fairy fire, it lands in a spot, it doesn't work, and somebody just steps out of it. You know, moonbeam, this thing's going to hunt you down, chase you down. And then also, anytime you can get more out of a spell, the fact that it can work against shape changers at a disadvantage, depending on the campaign you're playing, uh, could be even better. It is a constitution saving throw, but it's also not an all or nothing, so... Um, and it's a, it's a good damage effect. Radiant isn't very often resisted. Right. Yeah. I completely forgot about Moonbeam. That's a good one. It's, it reminds me a lot of Radiant Flame. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing. I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of damage the moon would do. So I guess Radiant, I, and again, when you're dealing with a class that deals a lot with the elements, you know, we've seen a fire wizard or a fire sorcerer be an Avernus. You know, here you're dealing with the elements and that kind of stuff, or maybe you just don't have the right spell. 
you at least have something there that, like I said, it's it's not going to get resisted very often. Right. Well, cool. My number three, I you know, I didn't even think that this would hit my list, but the more I read it, the more I just kept coming back to it because I could see so many practical applications for it, and that is Water Walk. This is a third level spell that lasts one hour and costs one action to cast. This spell gives the caster and up to 10 willing targets the ability to walk across liquid surfaces. Things like water, acid, lava, quicksand, and what really caught my eye, especially with what we're going to be going into, snow. Um, as if it is harmless, solid ground. Now, with we're with us playing Icewind Dale, of course, there's going to be snow everywhere. The ability to give your, your party, you know, even for an hour to say, okay, we're going to go ahead, you know, we need to make, you know, whatever village or whatever quickly. We're going to move across the snow like it's solid ground. I, I think that's cool. Yeah, I I am regretting not. I don't know this, if you were ever going to play a druid. This seems like the campaign water walking. Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems like it was made for him. I mean, it's cold right. in hell. Cool. I'll turn into a polar bear. <laughs> and polar bears are badass so remember what doesn't kill you make you stronger except bears bears fucking kill you there's stronger <laughs> yeah exactly so and the other thing i really liked about water walk and i and it made me immediately flash back to a a, a situation that we had in our uh curse of Strahd campaign um so it says if cast on a target that is submerged in liquid, they will move to the surface at a rate of 60 feet per round. So I think back to the time where my plate clad cleric was knocked off a raft and was immediately, you know, underwater and had no chance of getting his ass back up because, well, he was clad in plate. Something like this. And I'm like, oh, geez, there he goes again. Boop, there he is popping up, you know, out of the water like a cork. Yeah, that would have been handy. Yeah, so I mean, it's an application that I would have not, have, I wouldn't have thought of because oh look, let's just walk across water. But I mean, yeah, you have to be able to see the target. So that's that's the first thing to remember is you have to be able to see the target. So if they're in like completely murky water and you can't see them, well, tough shit. But like if you go to someplace like Flathead Lake where you can see the bottom no matter where you're at, it's like oh look, he's 120 feet down. Well, he'll be back up in 20 seconds because what 10 seconds is around. Well, I don't know anymore. It used to be six. Yeah, whatever it is. Ten rounds in a minute. Yeah, so six, you're right. So yeah, in 12 seconds, they're going to move 120 feet. Not bad. Not bad at all. So that was my number three. Should have had it for the Titanic. Oh. Was it, was it too soon? No, not too soon at all. I just <laughs> thought it was funny. <laughs> Uh, my last one is, again, another new one. Uh, it is with the Druid and Ranger, and I could see this one being a better on the Ranger just because of what it does, uh, but it would also open in some of that where we were talking about the balance and, and seeing some of the Shaman, and I would like to maybe get a build going around this idea, but this is called Guardian of Nature. Uh, it's a fourth-level spell. It happens as a bonus action. Concentration lasts a minute. Uh, you transform. A nature spirit answers your call and transform you into a powerful guardian. The transformation lasts until the spell ends. You choose one of the following forms to assume. Primal beast or giant tree. Primal beast. Bestial fur covers your body. Your facial features become feral and you gain the following benefits. Your walking speed increased by 10 feet. 
you gain dark vision out to 120 feet. Your strength-based attack rolls are now with advantage. Your weapon melee attacks deal an extra 1d6 force damage per hit. So I again, anytime I'm casting a spell, if it's got more than one option, I'm already looking at it because it's one extra slot I got per day. So for the beast, uh, you know, a, a two-weapon fighting ranger uh, now all of a sudden becomes a two-weapon fighting, I don't know, werewolf something. Yeah. Seems, seems pretty cool. The other half of this, the great tree. Your skin appears barky. Leaves sprout from your hair and you gain the following benefits. You gain 10 temporary hit points. Your constitution saving throws are made with advantage. You make dexterity and wisdom-based attack rolls with advantage. While you are on the ground, the ground within 15 feet around you is difficult terrain for your enemies. So I, I imagine this one here, you know, again, conjuring up World of Warcraft, you know, you pop your tree mode and you just go banana starting to heal people. Um, again, I like anytime you can go Super Saiyan, you know, I, as the, the term is, uh, you know, here's a big buff as a bonus action and stuff's about to go down. I, I support fully. It's nice to see the Druid get one. Again, one slot, two different options. Hopefully you never needing to make, uh, you know, I think the Primal Beast side is obviously probably a little more Ranger just because of multiple attack options. Uh, but you never know when you would need that. So it's nice to have it. Uh, and then yeah the great tree thing just sounds cool uh dexterity and wisdom based attack rolls with advantage now you know if you're sitting there needing to be an archer or something like that or you're you know i don't know it it seems cool in my head as far as concentration spells go you're probably better off summoning at that point a bunch of wolves to help your team but i mean shoot you get to turn into a tree or a beast it sounds pretty sweet yeah i don't have a problem with it <laughs> So that's it, folks. That is all the spells that, like, we just wanted to do three. So those are the ones that we thought of. Um, Nolan, did you have any honorable mentions? I, I think I'll wait and see what comes out with Tasha's, and maybe we'll take a look at that there. I know there's a lot more summoning spells kind of coming from that there from that book. Uh, and so I don't know how much of it will actually make it over from UA uh but adding those, you know, instead of waiting until 10th level to finally get a summon or, you know, 4th level or 3rd level, they're starting to add some more in there. And then also bringing in some of the elementals, conjure little minor elementals or baby woodlandia. So you could make it a part of your game from the start. You know, they'd be like asking a wizard not to cast a damaging spell until, you know, 3rd or 4th or 5th level when you finally get to summon something. You know, it, it, I'm happy to see that stuff come in earlier. Well, very cool. Um, so that is our topic of the night, folks. And next week, we will be looking at, what do you think, wizards or sorcerers? Which one do you want to do first? I think they'll probably be about the same. So You're probably right. You know, I think there'll be a little bit of overlap uh, and then depending on where they go. So I would say let's plan on, we'll call it the arcane. Okay. And why don't we do instead of three, because there's two classes here and I know they're going to be very similar. Why don't we do four or five? Yeah, I... I think this will be the testament to where when you look at it, we've seen uh, Cleric and Druid, a lot of their good stuff is fifth level or below spells where we could probably split wizard stuff 
or arcane stuff into two because the stuff after fifth level just gets into the realm of insanity yeah. and awesomeness. So it, it'll be interesting to see how our list change, but I, I have a feeling that for both of us, there'll be quite a few more high level spells that we've uh, probably never seen and just would like to, to yeah, break reality with wish and all that stuff. Yep. So before we go, I do want to take a moment and mention a couple things, uh, things that popped in my mind. I should have had this already prepped and I didn't. Uh, first off, I wanted to give a shout out to listener Dom. He sent me a copy of Captain Hardchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. This is something that he backed on uh, Kickstarter through Bite- our friends over at Bite Size Gaming. And I was just kind of flipping through that uh, this a little bit this morning. And wow, it's that is really cool. Those Zach and the gang did a great job of coming up with some really neat dragons. And, I, and I'm anxious to look into that a lot more. And I also I had backed Motherload from Bite Size Gaming and and I did get the digital for that one. And, and I have received that. I haven't had a chance to look through that yet, but I will be tearing through that very soon. And 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 I want to give a shout out to Bite Size Gaming because, you know, we've had those guys on the show a couple times, David and Zach, and and they're just great. They have a great show and they put out some great products. So make sure you're checking out bite size gaming guys. They have some great fifth edition uh, supplements that would really add some depth and flavor to your games. Okay. With that being said, um, Nolan, how can I get a hold of you? Uh, just look for us on 307 RPG. We've got a website, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, uh, if you need anything from me or Patrick through there, I think, uh, we work together. So we see each other all the time and <laughs> so it's Pretty probably much. the easiest, uh, that they're the, to, to find us on any one of those outlets. Yep. If you have any, if you want to talk to us about anything or you want to send us a message, give us a suggestion about a show topic, just find us on 307RPG at pretty much everything. Like Nolan said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, we are all over the place. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can always find us on patreon.com slash the four Gerald. We haven't changed that one over to 307RPG yet just because that one's a little bit more difficult. There is going to be some huge changes coming at the first of the year. Nolan and I are getting things set up to make this podcast be a little bit more than just an audio podcasts so we are building up our youtube channel we are building up our twitch stream we are getting things in place to to bring us more into the modern time i guess i don't know whatever um so be looking for that as well that'll be coming around the first of the year we need some time to get things in place so other than that i do believe that is our show for this week so thanks for listening everybody bye